0: You're listening to the Rising Rain Podcast with Nathan and Sterling.
1: Everybody. My name is Orest Dabaneze and you say that Orest, French people say Orest and in English it's forest without the F and my last name is Dabaneze with the N being silent. I am in my last semester of university and the fun fact about me is that I like to read and I am a diehard Laker game Laker fan and I never miss any games. So
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: good man. Well, Two people, fun facts, I should say.
0: Yeah, people cool. on, who have you on Snapchat definitely know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talks that's that right. talk, man. Yeah, that's 100%. right. That's right.
1: I've been through. Uh, we've been through hell and back, man. Yeah.
0: That, <laughs> if you want to know, bro.
1: we're back on top.
0: Yeah. If you want to know what a true fan looks like, just <laughs> look at Oris for real. Oh gosh, I was.
1: Yeah. I remember. It was a very sad story. I, w- I remember 2 years ago I was in LA and I was watching a match. And this was LeBron's first year and that game we lost in the last 10 seconds and that was the game that eliminated us from the playoffs. Yeah. So <laughs> it was very sad to be in LA after that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to it's hard to be there and then witness your team losing that way. I would 100 if listen if I was at my favorite sports team uh stadium i would 100 expect him to win <laughs> you know, oh
1: man it was, it was it was very sad but it was yeah. a very good because we were sitting we ha- we didn't have bad seats we were sitting by the rim but it was like um like two sections away so we could see everything like the warm-up dunks and stuff but then we didn't have the best view and then because the lakers we were we were sucking and we were not doing good so there were empty seats like all around the stadium oh, so man. after the second quarter my my brother he's a very ambitious guy he goes for everything so he's like guys there's like four seats available in that clear section we have to go and then we're like oh my gosh this guy's crazy and then we went so we had <laughs> we had good views but then he was like guys there's like another four seats that are available literally like one section section away from the the Lakers bench and then (laughs) at that point I'm like I'm like they're never gonna see us we're not from LA if we get get banned it's okay we're from Calgary we went down there and we were like like we could see the court like fairly like I could see LeBron there he was it was a good moment for sure.
0: Oh man, that's cool. It's like
2: some that's like some cougar classic nonsense, man.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just taking seats basically, wherever, huh? Basically, <laughs> man. Yeah, that's cool. So you were right up close to the players, then you could see them, hey?
1: Oh man, I was right up there, and it, it it was not my first basketball game. I had seen OKC versus uh, Phoenix Suns, like yeah, I believe thousand twelve. So this is when it was like. KD, Westbrook, and Harden. That they were on their in their early prime, I should yeah. say, prime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a good experience, but seeing LeBron was just different.
0: Yeah, That's it's sure. it's weird how we react when we see our like, you know, athletes. Like I remember a while ago I was in LA and you know, like those preseason games that like La Liga plays with MLS. Yeah. So it was LA Galaxy and uh Real Madrid. So I saw wow. like Marcelo and Ronaldo Ronaldo tried a bicycle kick from like 30 yards outside the box like he you know absolutely wow. but quite the experience you know like and that's when d maria was there and everything and i was like
1: oh man that was a squad experience. yeah oh that's amazing, amazing man
0: yeah um all right so thanks for being here oris appreciate you <laughs> making you making the time out of your busy life with school and working and everything to uh do this it means a lot um it's i uh, just have a, a a question starting off here um you have uh organization um i'm not i'm not sure if i'm saying this right um joa Jua. yes Jua uh coffee uh do you want to just explain a little bit what that is and what you do with that organization
1: yeah so in 2019 in march i i was able to secure some of the homes that i have back home and they were they were under my mother's name but she passed away when i was young so i was able to get so my uh we own eight so my brother owns four and i own four and you know a very patriotic country like that like the guys always get what's left over yeah so i was able to get the houses under my name and at this point i was like man i gotta put this houses into usage like I gotta get some renters in there and then then another first thing that I thought about was like okay I'm an orphan and there's a huge population of children who are homeless so I was like okay I need to I need to make a school so then I started to talk uh, I started talking to Jill Stewart which I think both of you know she's a she's a she's a realtor and she's a great friend of mine and I always go for her for, like, future advices and stuff. And I just told her about the plan that I had yeah. about the school that I want to create. And she was like, dude, go for it. And then uh, I think a month later, she reached back to me. She's like, dude, I, will, I want to be a part of this. Like, this, yeah. this is a huge change. And then she told me that her grandparents actually, uh, her grandma opened an orphanage in Kenya. And also, I believe, in Nigeria. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then... And then we got her son involved. His name is Jesse Diaz. He's now in law school, and he, he was very interested. And then us three literally just co-founded it together. and but every because Jesse was upgrading to get into his law school, he finished with a 3.9, but like he couldn't get in. So he had to finish with a 4.0. So he took another semester of Monroyo to just get a 4.0. And every Wednesday we would meet to just talk about our mission and vision, what we wanted to create. And then slow by slow, we got more people involved and we, we got, um, the CEO of Royal Apache involved, who is, uh, uh, Joe's, uh, boss. And I got to meet him and then he started to talk about how he owns a coffee farm in Tanzania. I was like, wow, that's big. And then his wife is, a. Uh, from south africa and her brothers have started like orphanages in sudan and i think i believe in uganda so i was like oh, this is a pretty cool team and then we got another guy named luke diaz so jesse's brother and then we started meeting every two weeks at jill's house for dinner just talking about what our mission and goal is and vision and we started talking monthly every, every month we were gathering and then And then one time we are just like, I think, I believe it was in um, winter of January of 2020. We're like, um, what's next? Like, we've got, we've done a lot. So like, we started reaching out to people who have opened schools in Burundi. That's where I'm from, by the way, um, in Burundi. And then we got in contact with them. And then we're like, what's next? So then we came to a point where my cousin was actually heading back home to open a business, which is great because trusting people back home is very difficult. So he was telling us everything that was going on. And then in the middle of February, we were like, okay, how are we gonna fundraise? And then the first thing that we thought about was, was to have a uh, community event. So then we're like, okay, we're gonna have this event in June 6 2020. And then we're like, okay, uh, we need, we also need to start, we also need to launch our website. And then we also need to start selling coffee. So coffee was actually our third, <laughs> third thing in our oh. mind, selling coffee. And then boom, the pandemic hit. And then we were, we were not able to do the event, of course, because everything went on shut, and and community places have been closed like since then. And then when the pandemic started, we, so we were like, okay, we need to lean back to our coffee sales. And then for the first month and a half of uh, the pandemic, we actually re- uh, we actually sold 150 bags of coffee.
0: Wow! Which was impressive.
1: Because it was impressive yeah. because like we didn't know how the result was gonna be like. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, the event was gonna give us a lot of money because we were we were trying to we were trying to get a max of about 280 people at, at a community, oh, wow. and then uh, sell tickets for forty dollars. So if you do yeah. the math is you're tr- you're looking around like fourteen thousand to sixteen thousand dollars and then we were gonna have like an African night and lots of people are gonna be there and we we're gonna get we were gonna do like auction and stuff and the CEO of Royal LaPage is like, do not worry about attendance. I'm gonna make it mandatory for everybody who works for me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we were gonna get a quite a bit of people and, but then everything happened. Yeah. And then prior to that we, we wanted to make a name. Uh we all wanted to make it under my my mother's name because she's the inspiration behind all this. She was a strong woman. She empowered a lot of women. She was very successful. She was actually like really, we were actually really rich in Africa. And the thing with uh, patriotic countries, like I mentioned before, uh, as a woman figure, you're always the blame for everything. So in 2001, actually, I was only three. She was blamed for shooting down a helicopter. My mother, wow. <laughs> my mother, she was blamed for shooting down a helicopter. And, and her biggest beg was like, please let my youngest uh, son come, come to prison with me because this is it's crazy. And he's just, he's so young and he just needs uh, his mom around. So I actually went to, I went to prison with her and spent six months in there with her. And then, of course, we were really released and we were and everything went back to normal, like normalcy, like and nothing ever happened. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to reach reach at that point of uh, the story later on in the talk. But anyways, and then we came up with the name. Uh, oh, some of the names that I came up with in class, sometimes in class, you guys know you get bored and you start yeah. writing and <laughs> I started writing down names. And when I started writing down, I don't even know what the heck I'm writing down so then i looked on the paper it said house of hope or home for hope so those were our big names but then you guys know with credentials and stuff you got to go online and you got to check like godaddy.com you can check which names are available and which ones are taken and mm-hmm. both of them were taken mm-hmm. So then i was like okay let me relate it to hope and i remember when i was a kid and everybody's a lot of kids who were in africa and even in south america anywhere in the world um once you see the sun you see hope you see a hope for better tomorrow and then that's what it was like sun and swahili means jua so this that's where we came with the name jua so jua means sun and the the back story of that is just the sun gives hope for for education for for better education tomorrow for a better lifestyle economically politically so that's where we came with jua
2: primary school it's brilliant wow. man it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And like your, your story is just crazy. Like it's just, even just how you kind of just like breeze by that saying that you spent six months in jail as a kid, like that's it, just insane. But um, to kind of stay on the topic of Juwa. So like you see, I know that your coffee sales are going bananas. Like you guys were selling coffee, like crazy. Like I saw you ran out before Christmas, but um, where is the, like how is the school developing in response to all the coffee sales? Like how is that looking right now?
1: Right, right, right. And before I get into that, yeah, the prison thingy, uh people always say, "How the heck do you remember all these things? but trauma is a crazy thing. It's a crazy drug that nobody ever wants. like you mm-hmm. I remember I still remember the songs that they were that my mom used to sing and stuff because she started her own church. She was a very innovative person, so she she was a very entrepreneur philanthropic person, and she everywhere she went, it was a business of of uh, Jesus Christ. it was a it was a business of religion, of uh, Christianity. And then, um, so how's the business going for Joelle? We are actually, because of the pandemic and stuff, we have, we wanted to open up in 2021, but the, the time was a little bit crunched up. So we are, our start date is, our start date we're aiming for September, 2022. And the production we finished, so we have phases. So we finished phase one in early September we're still on phase two, excuse me. So phase two is we have started getting electricity in the house, I have lights in the house and then we're just maintaining the house a little bit. And the later phases we're gonna get, we're gonna start like infrastructure inside a house and then build it even bigger because we have a big yard. And the person who's taking care of my house right now is a good family friend and then um, my cousin Leon, and every day, we have actually renters in the house right now. They pay monthly um, monthly fees and stuff. Of course, it's not much compared to the Canadian fees, but it's it's a source of income that we have back home. If we need a emergency fund, let's say two years ago, my country had a flood. It was a very bad flood. So we can put the emergency fund into that, and then the house is take, taken care of. So our initial plan right now is September 2022.
0: Wow. And it looks like it's all on track right now, right?
1: So far, everything is on track. I have a an incredible team with Jua. Wow. I have, I think we're eight members now, and wow, it, it's it's really good that now I actually do not have to do much. <laughs> before I before I I was doing a lot. I was doing things in Burundi. I was also doing stuff in in Canada, but now I have a I have a, a community relations group. I have a um, a social media group i have um like delivery group i have everything everything that you think of i have a group and which is great so my yeah. main my sole focus is burundi and if i have to talk to corporate for to get like corporate de- donations my story is the one that attracts people right yeah. so like i speak to people about that
0: yeah that's cool um so you the way you explain the story of the way you, uh, started um it it sounded like everything just fell in place like you know people came to your into your path that just you know fit the profile right and like just what what were your reactions to that is like everything was just coming together the way that it did like you know did you expect that to happen or like you know what what's your perspective of how everything came together so well
1: well, I I have a motto that a motto that I live with by, and is that if you show people goodness, goodness is gonna come back to you, and that's how that's how I approach everything. And it I, the funny thing about Jua, the members, we're like a huge big family, and we are all related somehow. We all know each other somehow. Like Jesse, uh, like Jill was. The manager of Southwest Jesse was always around Southwest, and he played as well. Luke, his brother, played uh, for um, for Southwest. Uh, mm-hmm. Shelby played for Southwest. So I've known this guy since we were twelve. And then um, Aurora is just his girlfriend. No, <laughs> Vicky, okay. Vicky is um, is basically family of the Diaz, and like uh, Rowan, I used to play soccer with him he's part of the organization oh, yeah. Kalen my good friend he's been my best friend since we were like since 2013 Ryan's Ryan is connected to Ryan's uh, wife or fiance or girlfriend I can't remember okay. yeah that is really good friends with Vicky so like we mm-hmm. are all Elias connected uh, is good friends with Aurora so it's a huge family that yeah That just meets every Wednesday at 8.30 to 9.30. Just talk about how we can advance
0: the school. Wow. Amazing stuff. So, um, you know, you're kind of in the midst of the plan. You're in phase two. Um, But, you know, I think I want to hear a little bit about your your dream, your visions uh, for for this uh, organization. Where do you see it going? You know, What, what do you see it doing in the future?
1: Right, right. So it's, so my, like I was telling you guys, my mother was a woman, as you guys can tell me. Uh, she, she, like I would say, she empowered a lot of women. And I have six sisters. So I've always been around women figures. And I'm a big believer in gender equality. Yeah. And um, a huge thing in Burundi, it's, it's a I believe something something in the nineties that after grade six, women actually drop out of school, and the reasoning is that they go help their their uh, their mothers with helping their younger sons, and they just help with home duties. And my mother was the same way. After grade six, she dropped out of school because she needed to help out her mother and and the younger kids siblings that uh, they had. So it, it's been a common trend. And my my mom will be a little bit older like now, like now the generation. So we're looking at around like since like the 60s and the 50s, that it's been a common trend that women drop out of school in grade six. And another huge factor that uh, somewhere in the 60s, 60% of homelessness in Burundi is children. So I am very passionate about the both because children are the future and education is important so if you have so many women dropping out of school and if you have so many children being homeless what is the future of our country look like so that was my big motivation and i stand by it and the future is that these kids get educated learn the principles of just like normal normal things like volunteering like picking up trash like in that and like around the country and stuff like bringing the canadian cultural norm back into my country yeah. so that we can grow together and who knows these children might go might go on to come to canada to study four years and then go back home and teach the principles that they learn but also not losing the principles that they have gained from their country as well, from Burundi as well. And I, I see the school going big, and I see we our main um, focus right now is one school, but of course there's gonna be more schools that is open up, and then we're gonna get into the hospital stage of in Burundi, just opening like, like a big hospital, because that's a huge need. Um, bringing clean water into the country. So there's more to be made about everything that's going on in Burundi, but uh, the focus right now is to get the school started.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah, no, that's brilliant, man. And like, honestly, like you're such a, like a testament to going through life. And then as you get older, as you get wiser, as you learn more things, going back and fixing what you can based off what you experienced. Right. Because, Like I, I know your story somewhat and you didn't have the easiest time growing up. Right. So it's just, it's just incredible that you can go back and make such a difference in this country that you grew up in. It's, it's honestly crazy. Right. Cause
1: there's, there's, there's two ways you can go about this. You can either, this is how I also live. You can either let what you've gone through, let your trauma get to you or you can decide to use those things that you've gone through as your testimony, as as a revelation to other people and change the world, so I've decided to take that path of, rev- uh, of, of revolutionizing this uh, my country and then changing the world, and that's where I'm focused on, not only in Burundi but also in in, Ca- in, in Canada as a whole. And I know there's a, lo- a lot of big plans that the man above has for me, and I just, just got to follow it.
2: Amen, you know? <laughs> amen, man. <laughs> um... Before we forget to do this, we'll probably like tag it on Instagram, but where can the listeners find Jua?
1: So our website is www.wearejua.ca and you can read all the information about the, the school. You can read our stories. You can read about the, the people who are part of the organization. And then you're going to also see on the right side, you can click on it and you can see the kind of, products that we're selling right now which is um, uh, solely coffee right now but we're thinking of going even like start selling like merchandise but that's later on in the future so yeah you could just wearejua.ca and that is the first thing that you're gonna see
0: sweet cool stuff so i diving diving in a little bit deeper into who you are as a person or um i think a, a good place to start is uh what you're doing right now you know where you work i think um like people who are close to you know that e- even in your your day-to-day job you're you're making a difference so yeah just share with the audience what you do for work
1: yeah so i uh, i work as a i'm a family support worker slash community development for cp kids and families and that stands for cerebral palsy kids kids and families and this I've been in this field for the past two years. I actually used to work in a lot of place that I was a physiotherapist assistant with children with cerebral palsy and other uh, delayed motor skills. And the children come in there, we do stretching motions to them, we just make them better. Because there's a lot of, um, there's quite a bit of uh, kids who are uh, families that are, that are in that situation. So we, we help them, get better so that they can, uh, once they're older, that things are much easier. And this new role is, I'm actually really excited. So I'm um, like I said, I help out families with any need that they need. I help them find um, resources. I help them uh, with funding. If they need funding for recreation, funding for strollers, funding for bikes, funding for, literally anything Uh, it's like us it's like a social work position which is and and i'm really excited for the position i just recently started it and it's a three months probation but we never know you never know where uh, i'm gonna go with that and i'm really excited it's always been i've to be honest i've been everywhere i've volunteered with i've also worked with ccis or calgary catholic immigration service I have volunteered at Calgary Women's uh, Sunshine Society. I've volunteered at the hospital and I've volunteered at the um, uh, Feed the Feed the Hungry Homelessness Shelter at uh, St. Mary's Cathedral. So I've been everywhere and I'm just I'm just very blessed that I'm still learning more each and each and every day and this is just the beginning and I'm really happy for what the future has.
2: Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, no kidding. Um next thing would probably be where are you at in school and what are your plans for the next couple of years in terms of your degree and education?
1: Yeah. So, um, um, I'm fingers crossed that I start my, my master's in social work in September. It is, a it is a two year program at Wilfrid Laurier, uh, University of Wilfrid Laurier, Kitchener in Ontario. And it's fully online two and a half years. And it, it's, um, yeah, it's a two and a half year program and it's, it's called part-time. So like working Joes like me who, who want to work full-time, we can just study at night. And I'm really excited. I'm, I'm sure it's going to go by quick. By 2023, end of December, I should be done. And you know what? I I don't know what the future holds. Uh I like to call it the, the next few years, the years of uncertainty that I do not know. But I know that there is a path there for me and my long term goal is to work at the hospital i just want to i just want to help out in any way shape form that i can and if it's not at the hospital i know i'm going to be in the the immigration service area just helping our families just in everything yeah. that i've done with my life is just helping others you know because putting others putting others before you sometimes is is the best way it makes you learn a lot and it shows you that there's a lot in this world that you do not know about and that and that's 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 what it's looking like in the next couple of years you know
0: yeah well <laughs> i'm just like sitting here amazed i don't even know what to say. <laughs> you know like because you feel I, I i think a common thought nowadays especially in calgary is like you're feeling you feel like you're doing as much as you can you know, and like you're, you're, you could be volunteering once or twice a week and which is like amazing. And I'm not, you know, but I think the, the city that we live in and how blessed we are with the resources that we have that, you know, giving is easy for us, you know, and
1: 1000 person, like, 1, I agree with that. And yeah. people always say, Oris, you need to, you need to have some time for yourself. And people actually don't understand doing this kind of work is actually my time for myself because I'm also learning. And a quick funny story, actually, not really funny, really crazy story. Um, this past semester, September to December, was probably my most difficult year and difficult semester. And it was not just because of school, it was just everything in general. I was full time student, five courses. I, would, I had three different jobs. I I was also part of three different committees, and I also have a um I have siblings, family members. I have a girlfriend as well, and her family. It was, it was a, it was chaotic. Mm-hmm. It was chaotic, but somehow, some way, it was my best semester.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: School-wise, it was the best semester that I've ever done in my life. And people ask me, well, how do you do that? Because every everything, everything is a mindset. Once you put uh, your mind into something and you know what you want to do in life, the sky's the limit. You can do
2: anything.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead, sir.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I was just gonna say, like, um, even last week on this podcast, we talked about perseverance, right? And it's it's we talked so much about that mindset, where if you can motivate yourself internally the things that you can do are unreal as if you're mindful of what you want to do when you're taking small steps towards your ultimate goals. And I think you're such a testament to that and such a like natural continuation from last week. So I think that's really
0: cool.
1: Right. Right. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so just moving on a little bit, I think, um, you know, we're, we learned quite a bit about you. Um, so going back to the beginning of Oris's life, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's probably you know what you've been through as a kid is probably a huge foundation to the the character you are now, and I think, um, and it, this is just an assumption, and if I'm wrong, tell me. But, um, you know, the things that you went through has definitely sculptured and shaped, um, you know, the are you still there?
1: Yeah, I'm still there. Sorry, yes. Okay. Oh, good.
0: Um, has definitely shaped just like the mentality that mentality that you have now right you have such a strong um perspective of life that that just you know like you can do anything because you've been through things that you know i i can bet a majority of people have not been through so um i think if you're if you're okay just sharing you know a little bit of a testimony of your childhood and, and your your journey to Canada.
1: For sure for sure i love i love sharing uh it's actually one of my biggest things that i like to do i used to be very scared when i was a kid because i didn't want anybody to know what i've gone through but what i've gone through uh, has inspired a lot of people in the way they think uh my story actually doesn't start in 1998 when i was born <laughs> my story actually starts in uh, 1972 with this newlyweds Um uh, my mom and dad who were newlyweds and they migrated to rwanda because of some conflicts that was going on in my country in burundi and there was a civil war that had just started so they migrated to they were migrated to rwanda and they built their own empire in rwanda they they started their own businesses they they built their own homes and they lived a great life there had many children and then um in 94 we all know about the genocide in rwanda so they had to migrate to congo and in a couple years in congo they had to migrate back to burundi and it was just an ongoing on battle of traveling and traveling and then yeah so in in 98 a few months before i was born my some rebels came into our in our house in burundi and my my father was just tired of running he was just like i'm gonna protect the house whatever happens it is what it happens, and at the, I, even to this day, sometimes I'm like, "Wow, that was a very like selfish move. Uh, that was a very selfish thing to do." But you gotta think about this. Uh, he had gone through a civil war for since 1972 until 1998. That's unimaginable, and it was he. He has just had enough, so he 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 protected a house, and rebels came he was murdered and yeah, so I was raised by my mother capital a beautiful woman that once we went back to Burundi, her business never stopped. She's, she, uh, she built more homes. She had a lot of concession uh, stores and she was just building her empire. Like I was telling you guys in 2001, the, the plane crash, I spent six months with her in prison and then we were released and then a year and a half later, I believe in 2003, in September 8th, where rebels decided to come again, the, re- uh, the, the rebel side of the government decided to come to our house again, looking for my mom. And and yeah, so they, my mom hid us all in our spare room. We had a huge house, a spare room, and six, seven of us were under the bed, but my sister Florence refused to, to move. Uh, I mean, my sister, Florence, uh, refused to leave her side, so they both took her, and And in the morning of September 9th, my sister came back at around, I believe, 3 a.m. She came back, and she told us about the stories about how my mom was like, please let go of my daughter. Uh, this is crazy. Um, you guys got to leave my kids alone, and if you want anybody, just take me and stuff. And at 9 a.m. in the morning, my one of my mom's brother came and told us our mother was murdered. And this was a very sad moment because our mother was everything to us. She's done everything. She was our queen, she was our king, anything you could think about. So we we're like, what now? What's going on now? And one of my mom's brothers that she had helped to go to edu- uh, get an education and even gave her a house, she, um, his name was Cyprian, and he took us in because he felt like it was an obligation for him to fulfill his uh, promise to my mom. And he was actually on the verge of going to South Africa to meet his family, but he still he stood by our side, and we moved in with him in the house that he had built, and we stayed there for about a month, and then we migrated to Rwanda for a couple of days, and then we we went to apologize about that. No problem. Right, am, am I still there? And then yeah, we went to Kenya, and then Kenya that's where we started our process of um, of our. Refugee status, and he actually took six months to get our refugee status. Ridiculous, because they did, they could not believe our story, and and this was at the UN, and the person the last person they, they bribed was me. They actually tried to give me toys around and so that I could tell the truth. I was like, that's all I know, like that's the only truth that I know. And then they ended up giving us the the status, and then we stayed uh, a year and a half in Kenya again. And then we were in 2006, we were on our way to July 12, 2006. We were on our way to Canada. We we lived in Edmonton for a few years. And the, the years in Edmonton, it feels like they were just brushed off. And we moved to Calgary because our sister, Rachel, our oldest sister in, in Canada, Rachel, had gotten married. And we have never left each other's side. So we also moved to Calgary. And then um, I went into junior high elementary, junior high, high school year. And I was fortunate to get a scholarship for soccer. I was one of those fortunate ones I should say, and then I played a good three years with the, uh, with the, with the team and, and I've learned a lot. The first year I struggled with, with schooling, but I met a great mentor of mine, which the name is Glenn Riley now taught me how to be a great student and I'm here now I'm apply, I already applied for my masters and like you were saying Nathan the things that I've gone through are the um, testify who I am today and I think I have more to give in this earth than I first found it and one of the best saying in my degree in sociology is leave the world in a better place than you came in yeah. and I truly believe that
0: well um you know that story is is incredible um i I do have a a question for you because you know some people are probably sitting there like how the heck has he established the mentality that he has how has he accomplished the things that he has um because they can't even imagine you know they can't even think about that happening to them you know and uh so i guess my question for you is um after, you know, seeing what you did and going through all that and coming to Canada, how how have you found that that peace in your heart? And that? And I know, Oris, like, um, playing with you for a couple of years, and, like, you know, I, I did also play against you for a long time. Spell <laughs> so Plus 98. So this guy, though, was always smiling. Oris has always, has always been a smiler, right? So just... How have you found that peace in your heart? And, you know, like, what kind of things have you done to, to just, you know, do what you're doing now?
1: Do what I'm doing? Um, the funny thing, actually, I was a very, very quiet kid. I was a very introvert kid when I came in this country and probably took me until grade seven or eight when i met i started getting familiar with the soccer family my friends from soccer and stuff that I, tried, I started opening up and talking more because the things that i have gone i went through were actually the reason why i was super quiet like i didn't talk to a lot of people yeah and then i don't know i just like for me life just is too short to to pout to be mad to to be angry at people because the, me I, I I can never go I can never go to sleep mad <laughs> I can never go to sleep mad because I just feel guilty that I have done something wrong so I live with the mindset that I gotta be my best everything that I do I gotta be my best whether a uh, former athlete I had to give my best whether in school I try I'm so competitive and I always try to be the best in In my school and sterling knows a little bit about that in our (laughs) psychology class and i just always try to be the best version of me that i can and the smile is just the bonus (laughs) that i was given on this earth i guess
2: yeah what's what's so amazing to me about how joyful you are as a person is like yeah we just heard that your childhood was unbelievably tough right like so much trauma that you had to work through But even when you came here, like you had that tough transition from high school into university. Um, You had some tough times on the team, but that it still didn't shake like that smiley demeanor, didn't shake your joy. So if you could give like a piece of advice to somebody who's having even a little hard time in their life and finding it hard to find that joy, what advice would you give them?
1: That's a very good question. I would say is that Tomorrow is better than today. Uh, a minute from now is, is going to be better than the minute that just passed. Just live, live minute by minute, knowing that that minute that you're about to live is going to be better than the minute that you just that just passed. So just living, living in the moment, but also knowing that the moment is not going to last. So just be, be humble. Just know that if you need help with anything, there's always going to be help if you need somebody to vent rent at there's always going to be people who are there to listen and just just live the best version of yourself
0: yeah (laughs) that's that's really good advice um you know with with all that stuff and being joyful did you um like me me and and sterling are pretty faithful guys you know we uh, rely a lot on Jesus. So, is that is that um, religion ever a thing in your life where you really had to lean on?
1: I tell you what, it, it has been. It has been throughout my whole life. But it, like, it starts before I was even born. My my mom was a was a prayer warrior. <laughs> she was yeah. a woman of faith. She
0: yeah.
1: she always lived like like I was telling you. She always lived like like it was her last. So she, every day she would pray that our I you know, should pray that God Jesus uh, just bless the kids um keep them keep them grounded uh, all of us to get to know him and to just protect us no matter where we go in life and I have I have seen that with my nieces and nephews now that they're strong believers so she mm-hmm. my mom did not only pray for us she prayed for the next generation to come yeah. the next generation to come and yeah it's always been a part of of my life I like to listen I love to read I love to listen and listening to songs and I I actually just finished last week I just finished uh, finished a whole week of fasting it was my first time actually really fasting and it was it was a thing of joy I like the whole week just living in the word devotional praying a lot and rejuvenated again <laughs> yeah. so like uh so like christianity uh, trusting in the lord and jesus christ being the, the center of everything that i do the center of my work the center of my house the center of my relationship with my girlfriend the center of my family that's always been the reason why i keep going and for the rest of my life i will still have him as the center of my life
0: and uh yeah like i feel like keeping jesus at the center of your life um in in those times um you know like even even in junior high high school where you're where you're trying to find your place um and fit in in, in canada right and trying to yeah um yeah just just be here um i like even for myself like being born in calgary and you know having friends here i i had a difficult time keeping my faith um at the center and even through the first year of university like it's it's been difficult right um and so like how how have you kept your faith kept your faith as a center for this whole time like in, up till now <laughs>
1: that's like that's a funny story actually i i don't know god gave me a great ability to know when danger is around since i was a very young kid and I'll give you a quick rundown. Let's, you know, the transition from grade nine to grade 10. It's probably the worst transition in Canada as be. a whole. And yeah. in grade 10, you start seeing the people that you know start doing drugs, start drinking, start partying. Yeah. But I was always able to realize when trouble was around and that would stay to myself. And that's why a lot of people, I always tell them that I'm an introvert, but also an extra. Because I know when to stay calm. I know when to get away from trouble. And that goes back to my mother, just her prayer, just making sure that she would pray that her kids stay steadfast and hungry to know God and and his word. And I've just been one of the lucky ones, I should say.
0: Yeah. Ooh.
2: Yeah. It's uh it's crazy that you can we take so much for granted here we in Canada, do. you know, like, man, like how can you call yourself lucky after you've been through? It's insane. It's insane. Right. Yeah. Um, goodness. Like I, I don't even know where to draw questions <laughs> yeah. from right now. Your stories just so insane, but, um, I kind of want to focus in on, uh, your transition into university. Yeah. Um, because you did struggle your first year academically. Right. Um, what things did you fall back on? Where did you find, I guess, motivation or skills from in order to get through that hard experience of facing resistance in your first year?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, actually, I knew that I would struggle. <laughs> I knew that I would struggle. And the reason why is because I was always in the Francophone system. And from, since I was in since I was back home in Kenya, like. I was in a Francophone Foley and then in Calgary and in Edmonton, all the whole three years there, I was in Francophone school. And then in junior high, I went French immersion. And in grade, uh, before grade nine, I actually decided to make a huge change. I decided to get out of the French system and actually follow my my English because I knew English was such a big part of my life. And because I, I knew literacy is, is such an important thing, especially for immigrant. Em- immigrants families literacy is important and i started to read a lot lots of books improved my english people still can uh, sometimes can hardly believe it that i actually used to have a huge accent (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and then university carried on it carried on in university and all i ever knew was soccer right but because my drive i've always wanted to be the better of myself I finished. I finished my first year of university with a one point seven. I actually got a in my my grad. U. I actually got a huge red sign that says that you're <laughs> really close to academic probation. So that same summer, I was like, you know what? What am I, What am I doing? And I knew. I know I have to be better. So then that's why I took UGSD eleven oh one with Glenn Ryland And, you know, I was just going through the motion through the motion. And then there's this one class about psychology. Her name is Carol Dweck. You probably know her a little bit about that Sterling. Uh, She's, she's all about growth mindset and fixed mindset. And then we started learning a little bit about that fixed mindset. People believe that they're dumb and that's the way that things have been. And that's the way they're always going to be. And I fell in that category and then growth mindset also slash malleable mindset, they believe that. Through hard work, anything is possible. And through hard work, you will achieve anything in life. So I decided to implement that into my daily lives and my daily education system. And the year later, I finished with a 3.8. And then the year later, I finished with a 4.0, and another 4.0, and a 3.8. And then I just finished with another 4.0 last semester. So that's where mindset comes in. And the one thing that our education system in, in Canada, I should say, as a whole, but in, in Calgary, as in the micro level, is the financial literacy part of schooling. I don't think I've ever learned anything about financial literacy in my junior high or high school, and also literacy in general. And once I found that piece in my life that I needed to focus on my literacy and then focus on my financial literacy... That's where I started to even get better. I started, I'm a reading geek now. I read like every day. I
2: read, okay.
0: I,
1: read I try to read a chapter a day and I also read the Bible every night. So like I've developed this mindset that I want to keep learning. I want to get, I want to get better each and every day. Yeah.
2: Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Did you start in sociology right away in university?
1: I was actually in, um, so I was in open study. I started in 2017 and went, uh, no, no. So I took a semester off in 2016. I went to the islands for four months because I just wanted a break from football and everything that I was doing. But I also I was also taking classes. And then I signed in November for Montreal, and then I had to come back in the winter. So I was I was in options. Uh, whoa, uh, I was in uh, open studies. That's how you say. it. I was in open studies. I was taking I was taking psychology classes. I was also taking. I was also just taking sociology classes. I was also taking like broader, like entrepreneurship classes. And then that's where all it began. I actually failed two of my classes. And the only one that I passed was sociology. And and then spring courses, I also failed a couple and like just barely passed. And that's when I decided to take that summer course. So my study, that's where my studying habits came from. And it's like, I I am happy and proud to say that I have a 3.71 after all those struggles from a 1.7. So, <laughs> oh,
2: holy man. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. Appreciate um, it. So just one more question about your degree. At what point in your undergraduate did you realize that uh, social work is like your passion? And when did you make that uh, decision that you wanted to, like, use it to make a difference back in Burundi?
1: Uh, I tell you what, I've actually wanted to get into social work. I've always wanted to help people, but Monroyo only has a diploma program and I had applied. I was about to get in and then our our academic advisor, Kira, told me that mm-hmm. I could not get in and I asked her why. And she told me it because, uh, it's because it's a diploma and the Youth Sport League only accepts degrees so i was very heartbroken but that didn't stop me i knew that there's another path and then the other path was to just take psychology or sociology as a, as my undergrad and then pursue my masters in social work and flash uh, flash forward 4 years later i've already applied for my masters in social work so my goal has been the same and yeah with burundi it's just i've just always been around I've always wanted to help people, and I've yeah. just helping others make me happy.
0: Yeah, and it's I think it's cool that you are connecting it um, back home, right? And you're you found out a way to help your home country, and that's right. That's amazing, right? right? Exactly. I, I, like the fact that you're impacting um, not only here and where you are and the people around you. You know, you're making the the action to impact the people back in in your country and i think you know just to encourage you man like you're a huge inspiration and i think
2: Appreciate a lot
0: it. a lot of people strive to accomplish the things that you've accomplished um and you know and i think there's just lots of people who look up to you and uh me and me and sterling being a couple of those people um and yeah just yeah just to encourage you like keep going you know um you're you're doing god's work and you're just for sure an amazing person so
1: i appreciate it man i'm just following what your what you guys name is i'm just trying to break the bears
0: yeah love that love that that's um, right i think we're over an hour sterling are yeah we?
2: man that was, that was class yeah man. that was
0: good um so one more time just uh let people know where they can find uh, Jua or your personal account to follow you.
1: Yeah, so if you want to reach out to me, just I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, or is Debanese And I'm always down to talk. I'll, I love sharing. I love to talk. Um, if you want to reach, reach out to Jua and see what's up, just go to our website, we are joa.ca. You're gonna get all the information that you need. There's gonna be different um, area, links that you can click on, and it's gonna take you to our coffee sales. Or else, else if you just if you're not a coffee drinker and you want to donate, there's gonna be a big sign that says "Donate" as well. So, yeah, we're in the early stages of um, of the school, but early is gonna be late soon. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, uh, in September it's not gonna be early anymore. That's when we're gonna be doing infrastructure and stuff so yeah i'm really excited and thank you for you thank you guys for having me this is great it's been a long time since we have spoken i've seen face to face Well, we can't see uh and um online interaction mass media interaction i guess and yeah this what you guys are doing is incredible and i'm really proud of you guys happy for you guys and i know that there's a bigger purpose for you guys and this is just the start. And I know that you guys are going to keep pursuing and, and what you believe is right.
2: Yeah. And I honestly think that like your story and, and who you are right now is exactly what we're trying to like accomplish with this sort of thing. Right. We're, We're trying to raise these stories that maybe, well, like I know you share yours quite openly, but we want to share as many of these stories that we can, that can maybe impact someone who is, in uh, some sort of situation in their life that they can use it so brilliant i think you are just a a natural guest to have on like i don't think we hesitated at all to say yeah we need orist on asap for sure
1: right right appreciate it man you guys are awesome people
0: all right uh thank you everybody for listening uh stay safe love you guys see ya